1: Smoothie King, rule the day.
0: joined by Jay McKenna who is the chairman of the Spirit of Shankly uh, supporters group and um, we'll be covering a few things tonight mainly uh, due to the results of the rail seating poll that's been a huge thing over the last couple of weeks the results came in today so we'll cover that with Jay we'll talk to him about a few other things relating to the club and uh, see where it goes from there so first of all Jay thanks very much for being on with us tonight.
1: Uh, no problem, want to uh,
0: join him yeah, no, really appreciate it um so jay listen, I suppose the, the big thing um and I probably may as well get this out of the way because i 'll be accused of being a hypocrite if i don 't probably um I, in the past i've i've been vocal in probably being negative towards you guys, um and that 's just being up front um in the sense that you know when the ticketing thing was was coming out and stuff like that, and you know part of that is just you know from from my own views probably could have could have uh let's say, um, delivered them better in, in the way that I did, and, and partially because some of the stuff I didn't necessarily agree with. Um, but, yeah. you know, it, that that's that's healthy debate. Things happen, things move on. And in terms of what you're doing now with the rail seating, uh, I have to say you guys are, are spot on and, and, and right in the mix of things in terms of um, getting a fan's voice out there. Um, so, yeah, so I suppose the big thing, last few weeks you guys put out the poll and and I really did see you push it and and I saw a lot of people, we we, we tried to push it ourselves as well, but the big thing was to get it out to as many fans and get as much opinion back, both positive and negative as possible, because this, especially for Liverpool, is a very, very sensitive subject. So where did it transpire from? Because I know it's been something the owners have wanted to look at for a while and they've been residents to, to, to do that because they were worried about how it would go down so how, how did it transpire that the poll came about?
1: Well, well for us it was it was entirely from a supportive perspective we um, had always been asked as, as an active supporter group involved and you know networked into the supporter groups across the country uh, we were aware lots of people were talking about this for a long time football supporters federation we've been affiliated to um, for, for a long time now. They've been campaigning for this for years, uh, much longer than our existence. And we'd always been asked what's our view, and, and, and we'd always been very cautious of of getting involved in this debate. Um, not because we didn't think it was important, but obviously it pulls in um, the the issue of Hills, but and centre for most people. And we'd said that it would be wrong for us to, you know, Start having a discussion and a debate into rail seating or safe standing, whichever you want to call it, at a time when, you know, this was when we, you know, we didn't even have the Hillsborough Independent, Independent Panel. Yeah. You know, we were still campaigning for the for truth to be wild, widely known, let alone justice. You know, and I always said to the people who were campaigning for it, nationally, you know, we don't have a view, we're not going to get into that, you know, now. It's not where our attentions and our focus should be. Um, Obviously, fast forward a few years, you know, we had the, the, the HIP report back in 2012. We've had the inquest verdicts last year. And I think that you know what we we were aware of is that the conversation was beginning to pick up. We knew a lot more supportive groups behind the scenes were talking to their clubs about it. And last summer I you know I sat down with, with committee members and said, you know, if we don't start having this conversation, there is a danger that it gets had around us. That nobody will actually, you know, come and ask us our views. They'll just make assumptions of our view, and you know, they'll have it introduced it somewhere. And you know, people who are opposed might not understand why, or they'll never get it introduced, and they won't actually know whether we're in favour or not because they'll merely just say, "Well, bet, this can't happen," and, and that would have been wrong for, for for us to be sort of referenced and used as a reason. So, you know, we started a very lengthy consultation w- with the intention of. Let's see whether people think this is something we should talk about. We uh, decided it was, um, and then we started, obviously, you know, nine months of discussions and creating a space in which people could share views and feelings, uh, which we've been able to do so. And obviously, that's culminated in the vote and the outcome we've seen today.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and it was a resounding um, answer from from Liverpool fans right across the board. And, and we have to be respectful of the the twelve percent. There who who um, have obviously their own reasons for why they feel the the rail seating shouldn't come back, but I think when you do see it, um, and, and let's you know we need to be sensitive about certain things, but let's be honest: the the Hillsborough disaster didn't happen because people were standing that day. They happened because the game took place in a ground that probably wasn't fit for it to take place in, and it was poorly policed and poorly stewarded on the day, which which led to. The wrong pens being filled, et cetera, et cetera. We all we all know the the story behind it, um, but it wasn't down to because people were standing. And I can understand why a report was put in place when grounds were so dilapidated back in the in the late eighties, early nineties. But you know, we look at grounds nowadays; they're a completely different beast than what they were thirty years ago or twenty five years ago.
1: And that come up in the debate uh, yeah. amongst people. You know, the, the this isn't a retain to something you know lots yep. of those who were who, who, who were in favor of you know rail seating or or standing areas they click they, you know at pains to point out this isn't a return to terrace and this isn't a return to you know open terraces and no you know barriers this is a, a very different model that facilitates something from the past in a, in, a, in a safer environment they say similarly you know the you're right there. It was the management of these events. You know, bad management in a in a in a really safe environment can still cause problems. Yeah. The problem at Hillsborough was bad management in a poorly maintained, on fifth of purpose venue. Yeah. You know, it was a you know a, a disaster waiting to happen as we as we see. Mm. You know, with with the reports of what was going on in, in years in the run up to to taking place. So. Yeah, I think for for us, you know, they were important things we need to talk about. Uh, I, I think what the inquest verdicts done would they actually reaffirmed that standard wasn't the cause in most people's mind, and the fact that that was then put down on record probably did assist in allowing people to talk openly about this. I think if we still had, you know, those ongoing at the moment, so I'm waiting for a, you know an official record as such of what happened that day. It might not have been talked about in the way enough, but you know, that standard wasn't mentioned once in the. Um in the inquest verdict, that you know, it isn't it isn't seen as the reason. And I think it's bit, it's really important as well to say, you know, people do stand at football matches now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the cop stands, you know, the back of the cop stands every single game. Um the cop as a whole stands for at least six or seven league games, um, non stop. Certainly stands for usually all of the European games and we'll see that, you know, the Champions League. And obviously as it's, it's fairly up and down, you know, when 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 the pool are attacking the cough, you know, usually in the Yeah, you You're car, on your feet. You're on its feet. So yeah. So, so 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 it's important to factor that in of people that were standing. And that was a really big important, you know, theme in the discussions of people are standing. Yeah. They do stand. Standing standing as an act isn't inherently unsafe. You know, Louise Brooks, who lost her, her brother at Hills, but you know, she said if if standam was unsafe, why do people get to go to Glastonbury? Why do people go to concerts? <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and and it sounds almost trivial, but it is so, it, it
0: No, it's really, a fair you know, point. It's
1: a fair it's point. about the management, and 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 I think you know what. What I think we have to try and move past in the, in the debate, and and people obviously you know the outcomes showed it, but but what it has done is it is it's it's openly talked about these concerns and questions yeah. that people have had, and and tried to provide very factual answers, you know, Celtic and and the Sports Ground Safety Authority spoke at our public meeting and provided some very factual information in in response to those concerns.
0: Yeah, And, and let's be honest. It, rail seating would actually be a, a safer situation than what is currently happening whereby you know you, you know yourself that you're, you're nearly getting hit at the, the kneecap when you're standing in, in the cop from the seat in front of you so any sort of you know movement you're, you're likely to go forward over the seat in front of you if, if you're not careful whereas the rail seating will actually give a safer way to stand and watch football and, and you know there, there are still the seats there as well
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I don't know how little you are, if it comes up to your knee, because it makes my shin, but... uh,
0: (laughs) 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 Well, I'm 6'1", so... (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. well, uh, I think one of the things, you know, people have said is that thing of, it's a domino effect. If you, if the person behind you, you know, not even necessarily celebrating a goal, you know, you get on your feet quickly, or you, you know, you paid note with the person in front to, you know, as Liverpool are on the attack, getting a bit anxious, it's easy to knock the person in front, and they, they knock the person in front of them, and... You know, there's almost this domino effect and everyone has to pull each other back up. If you have that rail in front of you, you stop that happening. I think the other thing, you know, that, that come up, which I found what was a really interesting point, is it's almost just a comfort level as well. Yeah. You know, if well, if, you, if you are stood up and you like to stand, it is going to be much more comfortable to have a, a barrier in front that you can lean on. Yeah, something um, to you know, put the old arms kind of, Yeah, something to put your arms on or, or hold on to and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so it was really, you know, as well important practical issues in stopping you falling into person in front kind of thing. Mm. But it, it gives you, you know, some more comfort, some more stability. So, you know, elderly supporters or even younger supporters who are maybe a bit unsteady on, on the on the feet don't have to worry about someone knocking into them but yeah. also have something that they can lean onto as well. Absolutely
0: and I suppose it's something we've spoken about a lot because at the end of the day, we are day trippers, you know, and, and, and we, you know, it's the name of the pod for a reason. We, we try and get over as often as we can. We get over a few times a season. And, you know, when you get over there, you want to feel an atmosphere. And I'm going, what, Jesus, 20, 22 years now at this stage um, over to Anfield. And there has been, apart from really big games, there has been a drop in in the atmosphere. And one of the big things that i think rail seeding can bring hopefully is if it allows for for um let's say first come first serve situations in terms of where your place is on the cup and i don't know how likely that yeah. is or how it isn't how likely it isn't but um from from the point of view of we had George Sefton on here a couple of weeks ago, this same sort of situation, just a one-on-one chat. And I was asking him about, you know, the, the really great um, atmospheres that he that he experienced over the years. And he was talking about St. Etienne, he was talking about the semi-final with the ghost goal for, for Chelsea, all those sort of things. And that's because the ground was full an hour you know before kickoff that doesn't happen anymore everybody's still over in the park or in the albert or in you know wherever having a pint at fucking five to three you know what i mean and then they're they're bailing in a five past three so there's no real atmosphere created in the ground if you have the cop as a, a rail seating environment number one it allows them to actually probably um, reduce ticket prices for the cup if they do so wish to, to allow kids and younger fans to come in who are the ones that are going to scream and shout all game long. Um, yeah. Number two, it means that people have to get in early to get a decent spot and therefore you get people into the ground earlier. You get them in there maybe 45 minutes before the game to create an atmosphere. so that when the, like I, 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 can't, I was watching something there recently and they were talking about how normally they come out. It was one of the players talking about how they normally come out to, to warm up and you know, there's the, the place is a quarter quarter full, maybe. You know what I mean? That's not cheating the players up. That's not getting behind them necessarily. If you've got the place rocking forty five minutes before kickoff, they're coming out and they're seeing the fan. The fans are ready for it. Well, then they better be fucking ready for it as well. You know, and that's that's one of the big things that I think it could bring. But I don't know how likely that is, and, and whether that was raised.
1: I, I, I don't think home reserve seating is likely. Uh, okay. Certainly not in the in the immediate uh, in the immediate future. Um, I think that there will be too many questions you can say and concerns raised by the safety authorities, including the police on something like that. And even probably indeed the football club would be like to know who is in each seat hmm. and when. Um, I, th- I, th- I think it's still, though, you know, I don't think rail seating is the fix to all of the problems of atmosphere and young person access, but it certainly does help. You know, hmm. what we've seen at Celtic is they've created an area where lots of like-minded people who wish to be in a, in an area together can, you know, get their tickets next to each other, which is which is hugely important. The cheap the tickets are cheaper, uh, which makes it more affordable for people. And then because you are with like minded people, uh, and it's a bit less expensive, you may be a bit more enthusiastic about it. Um, you're a bit more willing to get involved and join in songs. You know, not a, not everybody has the capability to start a song. Not mm-hmm. everyone has that within them, but lots of people are the joiners in, you know, mm-hmm. I have a as passionately or you know quietly, but people are joining us in, by and large, in these things. And you know the the thing of standing, you know, again, one of the, the comments I've heard from people on this is, you you go to church or those who are churchgoers or, or being in the, in the lifetime, you will know you sit down and listen to prayers and stuff like that. But when you're asked to sing a hymn, they make you stand up. Yeah. In a church to sing a hymn. Now there's a reason they make you stand up to sing, because it's easier, it's more natural. Um, you know, if you're gonna, if you're ever in the ground, and even if you sat down, and you know the player does something, a player does something incredible, or the referee does something stupid, you stand up to shout at them. Yeah. It's very rare you will like, you know you'll sit down and shout you
0: know you stand up to shout it's just natural yeah you feel uh, a bit silly <laughs> you feel, you feel yeah. a bit silly when you're sitting there shouting at somebody you stand up you've got your emotion going and and, and i get what you're saying it's easier to project uh, from a vocal point of view and stuff like that when you're standing as well so if you've got yeah. whatever twelve thousand, fifteen thousand people on the cop um depending on what they can fit in i don't know what the whether it would be no real increase in in numbers if they did it but if you've got that amount of people standing, and as you say, got like-minded people together, you're going to get a way better atmosphere. And one of the other things that we were suggesting um, was the idea of, you know, the Liverpool away fans, they have a brilliant reputation for being really loud. You know, from start to finish, they are singing, they are chanting, whatever it might be throughout the game. If you were able to get that cohort of fans, whatever it is, two and a half, three thousand 3,000 people together, all on, the, because no doubt they're dispersed. When they're, when they're back in the yeah. field. They're in the main stand, they're in centenary, they're all over the place. If you could get them into the COP, it, as you say, brings those like-minded people together.
1: Yeah, well, we'll, well, Liverpool have only ever been able to do something like this once, and that was when they created the, the 300 blocks at the back. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and what you got was you got lots of like-minded people who went together. It created an atmosphere for a while, but you probably got lots of older supporters. who just wanted to be by the mint as opposed to, and, and, and a mix of people. We wanted to be by the mates, but then not necessarily didn't want to sing all the time. And you've also got people who, you know, probably were the singers and the shouters, but you know, they've gotten a bit older yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. and that. and there's no and there's no one coming through behind them. Yeah. I think it you know, a creation of a rail seating area allowed you that new blank canvas to create something like that. You know, I think we have got to be really careful about saying, you know, that we're immediately going to ask for it our I think, you know, there's there's some very obvious sensitivities, um, from families, you know, Brian Reid uh, wrote a, a very good piece in the Mirror uh, last Thursday on this, uh, where he said, you know, is he he's been and listened to the debate, um, had always sort of had a view, but wanted to to, to to listen to the discussion, and he for the first time he's been asked for many years, and Brian's wrote incredibly well uh, and been an excellent campaigner on Hills in Hillsborough, but he he wrote a piece where he revealed for the first time his view, and he said. His head is in favour of standard at football matches, but his heart is that he doesn't want to see it introduced to Anfield until he gets a majority of the families agreeing with it, mm. because he'd feel he'd feel very really difficult because he you knows lots of them personally and it'd be upsetting for some. And I think what 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 we what today's done for us with this outcome is it's shown that so many Liverpool supporters are in favour. I think what you talked about there about the match will be a fascinating thing in, in, in over the next three, four, five, six weeks that as people start going back to Anfield, you know, coming on trips over from Ireland or elsewhere, you know, in the car locally, in mm-hmm. the pubs, in the grounds, you know, just chatting to each other. and might be saying things like, you know, did you see that vote? Or you know, I voted, I voted this way and I voted that way. You know, let, let, let people talk about it. I think the other thing we need to do, and the reason we sort of want to give it that time is we want people to understand the results and not to act thinking, okay, this is, you know, the solution to everything or, you know, people who were opposed to it being really angry that that it went a particular way, you know, let them listen and hear from mates about it. Obviously, very important, you know, there's going to be the start of um, criminal proceedings um, for uh, several other people who have been charged in relation to Hillsborough. So, you know, it would be wrong for us to have any conversations in the immediate term about standing at Anfield because it would be a big distraction for families and survivors who are going to be paying close attention to that. I yeah. think what we, but, but I think though, you know, we've always said it doesn't mean it's going to be asked for at Anfield and we're not going to guarantee any next steps. I think what the, the size of the vote and the decisiveness of the majority mean that it is inevitable, people will say to us, you know, at an appropriate juncture, well, do we want this at Anfield? And I think what we're ready to do and, and, and are able to do is, you know, facilitate a conversation between Survivors, family members, supporters, members, and the football club about, well, okay, how you know, what is everybody's view? What do people think? You know, are Liverpool open to the idea, not necessarily in favour, but are they open to the idea that there could ever be a rail seat in Anfield? Where would this be? Is it possible? Is it practical? What do the majority of the families think? You know, let's make sure that everybody. Every single family member who wants to be a part of it gets to sit in a room, like we tried facilitate and have to say, let's have another, you know, wider conversation with supporters who, who go to match, you know, try and get the club involved in that. You know, 18,000 is great turnout. Wouldn't it be brilliant if the football club could, you know, send that on to everybody and make sure all season ticket holders and members get a vote as well? Yeah. You know, let's let's say to them, you know, what do you think? Would Would you like to use a bit of it? And and have that conversation. Now, it doesn't necessarily ever mean it'll happen because I think there'll be some very practical issues. Like, where would it be? You know, I think lots of people are saying a new Anfield road. Well, you know, uh, you can guess by me saying that. I'm slightly sceptical about whether we'll see a new Anfield road. Mm. Um, Or certainly in the immediate term, you know, are there other parts of the ground where it could be facilitated? How would you do that? Because obviously it'd probably be moving season ticket holders and members and. You know, that brings with it a whole load of problems in a ground like Anfield where where space is limited. Um, You know, lots of very practical questions. I think, you know, it would be a deeply emotive issue um, because as much as, obviously, supporters would be in favour and the club have said they'll listen to fans, you know, none of us would like to be in a situation where you'd almost felt that you were doing something that deliberately upset some families. Um, So I think what we'd need to do is have a conversation with them to say, you know... And I think we've done this or certainly gotten a long way towards this that even of those opposed they at least now understand why some people are in favor so you know because of the, the vote and because of the discussion we've had, family members and survivors and and ordinary supporters if you like who are opposed to the introduction of rail seating areas have been able to hear from those who are in favor and they at least understand some you know somewhat better why people are in favour. So I think you know that contributed something to the discussion and we probably just need to see where people find themselves on that in the immediate future. Yeah, yeah. Um but 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 I think you're absolutely right. You know, football supporters, you know, right across the land of talk all of those issues you said there that, you know, atmosphere, ticket prices, you know sort of how you um like to imagine in your head the utopia of going the match. Yeah. You know, this this can help in some way towards that. I think that, you know, Celtics' experience with Dave Sheardworth is that they trialled it. Not because they wanted to introduce safe standing to make the atmosphere better or anything like that. It was that so many people were standing. They were told it was unsafe. Yeah. So they said, you know, I would make everybody sit down, and that's not physically possible. Or you put in a control measure. So Celtics' control measure was rail scene because that just makes it safer. Yeah. And, you know, Glasgow Council and others are broadly happy with that. Sports Ground Safety Authority, who regulate football stadium in in England, are broadly happy with that and feel it's safe, they said, so at our meeting. So, you know, I think there's, there's a place now where, where people can talk about this and see it being done. And I think, you know, I think it's inevitable we will see it introduced at English stadiums. Uh, whether Liverpool would take a lead on this or would ever introduce it remains to be seen. I think, you know, th- there's there's reasons why they might not and there's probably arguments people can put forward for why they should. Um but but I think it's inevitable, you know, that in a few seasons time Liverpool supporters will go to a stadium that has a safe stand and stroke rail seeking area within it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and from from my point of view, Jay, um, I suppose that brings me on to, to the part whereby is there a way of knowing or, or what was the level of, of um, interaction like with the families in the sense of with the vote coming up? I know you had um, in the liner hotel. That's that's where the, the vote was or where the where the talk was had, wasn't it? Um, yeah. What was the interaction like with the families, both from the pro side and the like, is there an idea or, or a way of knowing what? percentage of the families what way they're feeling about things
1: um not precisely in terms yeah. of percentages we we it was suggested that we should put a question in to ask people if they're a family member or survivor and we just felt that was too deeply personal and yeah almost too divisive to put in
0: at this moment in time um, it's probably at, not needed at this,
1: yeah, yeah yeah absolutely uh you know we needed to get a sense you know we are a supportive union and you know there's a there's a there's a trade of thought from some people that you know that as long as the majority of supporters are in favour, that's all that matters. And you know, I think that's a wider conversation. Uh, we did, back in September, before we even started having this conversation publicly, we did contact the Hillsborough Family Support Group and the Hillsborough Justice Campaign. Uh, the Hillsborough Family Support Group represents the majority of families. The Hillsborough Justice Campaign represents uh, a fair few and, and plenty of survivors. And, uh, and there are others who aren't represented by either of the groups. But we did contact them and made sure that through networks and people we know that were the we were going to start having this conversation. Yeah. Uh, we we got an we got an original reply from the Hillsborough Family Support Group, but over the like probably the next say six or seven months we didn't get much of a of, of a feedback from them. Nice. Uh, we were contacted by some families and some individuals expressing views, but uh the Hillsborough Family Support Group didn't really share any views or take up offers of meetings and stuff like that. Obviously know, that their choice. Uh, but when we did it announced the the public meetings and and the votes and when they were going to take place. You know we did have really good engagement The you know some representatives from the Hillsborough Family Support Group attended. We we held just before the public meeting a, a closed private meeting for families, survivors, and, and others who were at Hillsborough, uh, which was attended by about 50, 60 people. Right. Um. There were there were representatives from the HFSG there, um, family members. There were. Individual family members, people who'd covered lost, you know, cousins and, and loved ones, people who were at Hillsborough and lost friends, both um, representatives from the Hillsborough Justice Campaign. Um, and what's clear is, you know, the Hillsborough Family Support Group have an official position that they're opposed to it. The Hillsborough Justice Campaign are, are neutral on the discussion. Uh, but what was really interesting was, you know, that the were families who did contact us, who were in both groups, who, you know, who, who expressed support. You know, Steve Wright, I'm not saying any confidence to say that but Steve Wright, who's a member of the HJC, spoke up in favour. He'd previously been opposed to the idea of safe standing areas. Um, Wright, he was at Hillsborough, but lost his brother Graham at Hillsborough as well. Um, and he's a convert, he says. He, he says that he's in favour. Right. Becky Shaw lost her mum, Inga, uh, and her brother at Hillsborough. Um, she, you know... Sorry, Emma Hill's brother was there. You know, she'd have been there if she was um, the right age. You know, she says I am have been able to get a ticket. So, you know, she she's in favour of it. Mm. She, you know, she spoke out. So I don't think there is any uniform position on them. And I think that's why it's really difficult. You know, we I won't mention the name, but there was a gentleman, Damien Cavana, who spoke at, at one of our meetings. Now, Damien was sat next to a lad who goes to match you. I know personally... Uh, the lad who he was sat next to lost his dad at Hills, but he, the son, is in favour of Seaton His yeah. mum is opposed.
0: Right.
1: You know, so so yeah. how would you pick and choose? You know, who gets to say as mum or him? Yeah. And then you know, Damien actually went to the football match with that lad's dad. Now, what does, you know? And Damien's undecided on it, so it's like, well, oh, you know, whose voice speaks there on that? So it's really difficult to try and get a breakdown of you know where families and survivors that on it because you know it is so fluid it's such so a personal thing
0: as well though isn't it it's such
1: a yeah. yeah yeah it's such a deeply personal thing and that's what we try to say in our statement to people today you don't have to agree with people to at least try and understand why they might hold that view yeah it's,
0: and, it's, you know
1: one of what one of the best things I've, I've I've said to people on this is that you know just walk a mile in their shoes mm. just imagine what it must be like to be a a, a, a more and more a parent or a brother or sister who, who, whose brother done this thing where they went or son done this thing where they go, where they go and watch football and then one day they just never come home. Yeah. Um, you know, the Lord just as report the says you should have all seats to stay here. You know, there's lots of reasons why they might hold up you and you don't have to agree with them to at least try and understand and be respectful of it and that's something, you know, we want to try and do, they should be allowed to have their say and, and, and let people make an important decision.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those deeply emotive subjects. And I know it might be a weird way to analogize it, but it, it is similar to, you know, um, if a country is going through abortion laws or if they're going through gay marriage laws or whatever. It's one of those things that you can't just say to somebody it's black or white because they, they themselves, over so many years, have built up an emotive feeling towards whatever that subject is. And in this instance, it's it's... a a, a different subject completely but no less emotive And, and like you say you've got a mother that thinks one way and a son that thinks another way and and how do you get that voice across the only way you can do it is very sympathetically listen to everybody and try and come up and try and bring the people who are against it as much information as you can you know in terms of showing them the idea forward and then let them make their own decision after that
1: Well that's what we've said of anyone who you know anybody who's campaigning you know obviously our position now given the votes amongst members and and, and, you know corroborated by the wider support is that we are in favour of the instruction of various seating areas Mm. what we have said though is you know we're not going to allow other people to just sort of say well Liverpool fans are in favour that's all the questions answered you know anybody who's campaigning for this sort of thinking about introducing this at at the stadium would be well placed and would well well advise to engage with those who are opposed to at least listen to the questions and concerns because there are some very practical safety questions which you know I'm sure can be answered and, and indeed many of them were answered at our public meeting but you know should be talked about and so should be heard to at least you know ensure safety because if there's one legacy we start from that regardless of your view of what those safety procedures are we more than anybody else. Know how important safety of football matches is. Absolutely, we know how important it is to make sure that anybody who goes to a football match comes home from a football match and is safe in the time after there. So, you know, I think it's very important that 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 I think at the heart of any future conversations on this is there, you know, that 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 safety aspect is, is 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 there both in the models and in the management of it.
0: No, absolutely, and um, fr- from that point of view, what is the next step then? Um, in terms of what you know, you've got the you've got the results now from this poll. Where does it go from here? Because I think lots of fans will be thinking, "Oh, the poll's in." Well, then that just means the pressure will go on the owners, and we'll have safe standing in soon. And it's not going to be that simple. Uh, there's so many different no. from a, from an administrative and and legal point of view. I don't think it's is it allowed in the in in England at the moment. I don't think it is. Is it?
1: No, it, it, one of the very you know biggest barriers to this is that it requires legislative change. Hmm. You know, it, it requires a change in legislation. The, the current legislation is that in England, the stadiums in the top flight and the second division, so the Premier League and the Championship, it uh, must be all-seater, and hmm. uh, stadiums outside of that don't have to be. Uh, but but a, a huge number of them are. So obviously they're hoping that one day to announce the Championship and then the Premier League in turn. Um, obviously, shows being talking about introducing it, but they're in League One, so it requires some legislative change. I think the next steps really are there will be they'll continue to be a wider a national conversation on this. Our vote has certainly shone a light on it today. Yeah, you know, the, the huge range of attention we've got from national and local media outlets on this has, has cast a light on on this conversation and, and given it a, a platform. People will no doubt say, well, Liverpool fans are in favour. You know, that's a significant milestone. I don't think it removes all barriers, but it's a significant milestone. Um, I think that the next steps for us, at an appropriate point, open up conversations again with supporters about how we approach any next steps and whether that does include asking for it to be at Anfield. Um, and I think, obviously, you know, the national campaign on this will continue to try and encourage governments um, to, to, to change the rules. Uh, to allow a safe standing area uh, or a rail seating area, whether that be as a pilot, I know West Bromwich Albion have, have put themselves publicly forward to say you know they'd be willing to try uh, to to do a pilot of, of a rail seating area, but you know that still requires legislative change, and um, much much like the governments um, in Northern Ireland and and, and and you know the government over here has, um got a lot on its plate at the moment, so yeah. um, I don't think we're going to expect a change in that anytime soon but you know we, we'll we'll we we'll wait and
0: see yeah absolutely um and, and let's let's move on i'm, I'm going to uh, use that as a, as a point maybe in, in which to talk to you about something a little bit different as well um yeah. and that's and that's the fact that you've you've been quite vocal about and, and your group have been quite vocal about the owners and where they were taking the club and and where things were going Um, how do you feel about where we are now as a club, let's—I know the safe standing thing is one thing that we've dealt with there. Yeah, but I want to chat to you just because obviously we had the ticket prices issue, and and you guys led that. How do you feel we are as a club at this moment in time?
1: Um, oh, I think that this is always a challenging question because I think people expect you to have a, yeah. Uh, you know, and this has come up on Twitter lately, so I'll, I'll preface this. This has you know come up on Twitter lately. People, lots of people talk about FSG and stuff like that. And in 140 characters, something you try and say is sometimes taken as in, like, that's your whole entire view. And it's very difficult to just say three or four words, particularly when you're mean. You've got lots to say, but it's very difficult to say three or four words on on an issue like this. So the way I try and like to do it um, is usually I'd like to say, well, I'll give them a mark out of 10. Yeah. If I sit and say we're in Liverpool at the moment as a football club, there are six yeah. um, probably doing alright an incredible manager I think probably about par for where we should where we according to the squad we've got are in the league um, clear obvious signs for improvement um, as a football club on and off the pitch off the pitch you know you'd expect me to say this but I think there's a lot more the club can do and, and maybe will do with the appointment of to Tony Barrett to listen to supporters and concerns on a, on a whole range of issues. You know, not just, you know, everyday match goers, but people who have other issues around going the match, disability access, diversity and so on and so forth. Um, just the way people, I think, feel a connection to the club is something they can work on. On the pitch, there's some pretty obvious things. Um, you know, we've got a great manager, but clear, you know, signs uh, for people at those areas we can improve on. Um, we've got to, you know, i probably imagine most people's minds we've got a good on our strong eleven, a good eight to 9 who you'd say a really good quality, but you'd like to probably think we'll make that an eleven and maybe even, you know, sign some better players than those in current positions. You know, I always say to people when I talk about this, you know, I don't just want us to sign a you know, a left back because James Nullman's not really a left back. I want us to sign a better Adam Lalana. Mm. I want us to sign. A, I want us to sign a better, you know, Fomenia. I want me to find this place. I, you know, I think, and I'm sure you'll we'll come on to it. But you know, if we were to sign someone like, you know, Kita, I think that's a big thing to say. Well, we want Jordan Anderson to be better. Yeah. I don't want them to be. I don't want them to be as, you know, and instead of I want them to be better than. I mm. want someone to push them to challenge for the place. So, so you know, I think there's obvious, obvious signs for improvement. I think where some of those things come back to for me. The inevitably lead back to the direction of the club and the ambition of the club. Uh, you know, I've, if you listen to lots of things I've said on this on other podcasts and written about and spoken about online, there's a clear disconnect, I think, at times between Liverpool and Boston. You know, we, we've seen this firsthand in the Ticket and Descriptions that the liverpool big staff have lots of, you know, lots to say and do and try and do things, but decision-making seems to take place in Boston. You know, I think that's a problem. I think there's some very practical things the club should be doing. I think it should have a chairman that's based in this country. Certainly the majority of the time, they should have a chairman that's at the match every week. I think that's important. I don't think Fenway uh, Sports Group talk enough about Liverpool. Um, I know they like to have this idea that they're not going to talk about stuff, but I think it'd be really useful to at least now and again talk about your strategy and give big interviews. You know, one of the things that, that, that most struck me on that was when Klopp um, got us a new contract announced and he was answering questions about it in a, in a press conference, and it was like, is that really what you'd expect? I, I, I'd hope this would be part of a big announcement, and someone might talk about the strategy of at the club. And you know, I think there's things to do. I think I do think they, they feel they've got reason to that, but you know, I don't agree. And, and yeah. All of those are the reasons why I'd probably say what I've also checked out.
0: And do you think, do you think the lack of, of interaction maybe from them is because they have a feeling of they can do no right with certain fans? Is is Whether that's true or not. I
1: think, so. yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's certainly been the case in the past. Yeah. I do think they've they've felt unfairly targeted. Um, they've certainly felt that from us. They've, you know, we know we've, we've picked that up from other people and they've almost said it indirectly to us themselves. You know, that you know they feel unfairly targeted, but w- w- what I like to say on that, and you know we've had criticism from people on this, and I'll, I I say this to it: if let, Fenway Sports Group bought Liverpool in 2010, hmm. now they didn't they didn't create the problems of Hicks and Gillette. They aren't Thomas and George Gillette. They didn't burden the football club with debt like Hicks and Gillette, and you know they they had to, you know. They had a legacy from no action on a stadium, legacy from, you know, a, a way the club was towards the community and stuff like that. They at times felt it on fear that we said, to them, well, what are you going to do about that? As if somehow that they felt the slate had been wiped clean in 2010. Now, there are some people who say, well, it should be. But when we were talking to the ticket, for example, what we sat in, if you have ever in Liverpool's offices in the city centre, there's lots of meeting rooms named after various historic managers at Liverpool. And we were sat at the time in a Joe Fagan room. Um, And on the wall is a um, picture of Joe Fagan at at various different points in his Liverpool career with various different trophies. And there's a list by the door that has all the honours that he would as manager. And we were sat in the room talking to some people from from Liverpool, uh, based in Chapel Street, who, who were saying to us, you know, essentially... The faults that have gone before aren't the responsibility of the owners. And I said, whilst well, they didn't cause them, they've got to pick them up and deal with them. Yeah. Because otherwise... They never get know, dealt I'm with. What, but also, what you're essentially saying is that their you know, Liverpool tenure is only measured by 2010 onwards. So yeah. this comes back to the Joe Fagan stuff on the wall. This is my point of it. So, if they're only taking responsibility for things that happened since 2010, they technically don't get to have Joe Fagan's trophies. Yeah. They don't get to claim, you, you don't get to pick the good bits of the past.
0: No, you can't have and, the, yeah, the history that you suits yourself. You can't
1: pick and choose. Yeah. So I, so I sat there and rather flippantly said to them, well, I tell you what, if you're not taking those, if you're not having responsibility for the problems that came before, I'll have the eighteen European cups and five, uh, eighteen league titles and five European cups. Thanks very much. Yeah. And here's you with a football club that's seven years old, and here's me with uh, Liverpool's entire history in my back pocket. Yeah. You, know, it's, it, you don't get to pick and choose. Uh, and equally, the same goes then for the future. You know, they talk about their future, but you know, when I talk to them about issues, I'm not talking about three, four, five years time. I'm talking 10, 15, 20, 25 years time. I'm talking about legacy you know, of, of the football club. So, I think I think they have felt unfairly targeted and tarnished. I think part of that um, might be justified. I don't know. Maybe maybe we have made mistakes and how we've approached some things. But as I've said to Liverpool, they were honest mistakes. We've never unfairly tried to go out there and say, these are horrible people. We've asked questions and, you know, it comes back to the stand and debate. Even if you don't agree, we should at least try and understand why someone might have that view. Mm. And at least try and place yourself in issues. And I don't think the owners were willing to do that at times. And I think we've wasted a lot of time in trying to build on relations. I do think, though, you know, I have to give you know credit to them. I don't know who decided on this, but the appointment of someone like Tony Barrett is, a, is an absolute masterstroke. Because Tony does get it. Yeah, um, and I think that might be the, the kind of catalyst we need to repair it one of the things we always used to say football both, both, both past owners and current is we don't want to be sat here saying you're bad or you're good or you're this or you're that we want to be the, the, the phrase we used was a critical friend we all have one of these friends we all want the best for each other but if you do something wrong we'll tell you and if you do something really wrong we'll get angry at you and we might take some action. But ultimately, we'll probably still come back to being friends. Because, you know, as supporters, we want the best of the football club, no doubt as much as they do, whether that's be for financial gain or for, you know, for success on the pitch. So, you know, I, I think that the issue has been probably trying to understand each other. And I think, you know, if, if I'm honest, you know, if there have been mistakes made on our side, there's an issue, I think, in the past of a lack of willing on the side of the football club to engage
0: with sports on these things yeah they, they probably had a feeling there whereby they thought ah listen this is just a small group it'll go away you know and they, they, wrong, they wrongly thought that but but thankfully yes. it seems as though that has been sorted out and, and there is a line of communication there now especially with Tony as you yes. said going into the, into the job that'll definitely help Yeah. Um, i'm not one of these i'm not an fsg out person far from it um, i think personally as a as a yes they've made mistakes no question as owners but i think sure. they came in they set out a mandate of what they hoped to do they said they would make the club self-sufficient they would allow the club to spend the money that it made and you know whilst they take a lot of criticism for transfer windows failures in it or whatever else there might be i think they've done a lot of what they've said they'll do could they be better? Absolutely. Good. But could we be in a much worse place? Yes, we could. And
1: Absolutely.
0: I think this summer is is pivotal for them, though, because we have got yeah. one of the best managers in the world. And my big fear has been that we reiterate or, or, or repeat the mistakes we made in 13-14 when we nearly won the league. Yes. We had a brilliant squad. We lost Luis Suarez. And we went out and bought very mediocre yeah mediocre players that, that or, or the majority of which didn't really have an impact on it they, they just, they just were not good enough for no go. they weren't they weren't and my, you mentioned earlier on about players coming in and challenging and being a better Adam Lallana my view on it has always been you buy. I, I didn't want Oxley chamberlain to come in this summer because I didn't feel he was better than what we had in their starting 11 and people were saying we need squad depth but my feeling is for a club of Liverpool's size you sign players to challenge and nearly take the place of some of the lads that were in the first 11 and your lads that were in the first 11 become your squad players and and it is a squad game now everybody's going to play 30 35 games over the course of a 60 game season and that's okay you don't have to have favorite players you don't have to have a debate over whether it's Chan or a Tenderson or whether it's Lovren or or Sacco or whatever the different ones are just bring in better players and let them fight it out yeah. and whoever the best 11 is will get out on the team or get out on the pitch to play each individual game now, sorry. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say the, the big marker for them this summer is if they fail on the key to uh, transfer. It looks still, you know, uh, you're hearing so many reports about where we're at with uh, Van Dijk, but if that isn't strengthened and we somehow lose Coutinho or even if we buy those two and lose Coutinho, it sends all the wrong signals to the fans and even the people who've been vehemently in support of FSG are going to start questioning do we only ever balance our books? Despite the increased TV revenue, despite the bigger stand, all of this stuff, do we only ever balance our books? Or can we actually hold on to our best players and add the quality that we deserve as a football club? I, I,
1: there's, there's lots in that. I'm, I'm picking some of those the key things up there. I absolutely agree with you on You chamberlain know, I want us to sign better players to make the current good players. We've got squad players as opposed to signing someone who's not as good as Lallon on the bench. I want to sign the next one up. I think that's where Liverpool should be, and I think that's the mistake we made. You know, um, under Hicks and Gillette, for example, we were never. Whilst Man United were able to go out and sign a Rooney or a, you know, a Van Persie or 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 whatever, yeah, a Van Persie, go and sign this big marquee player to be the next big one. (coughs) We were almost buying, you know, three or four just to keep pace. Yeah, I think you know, I think there's a there's a danger in football is that you 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 can't stand still in football. But if you don't keep progressing. You will just get overtaken by people who progress faster. So people might say, well, if we kept the same squad we've got now, that's still good. Well, it's not because that squad was good enough to fourth this year, but it might not be next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, it might be. We might have a fluke season, but, but by and large, your, your expectation is that it won't. Uh, that doesn't tend to happen. Other clubs are strengthening, uh, whether they do good business or not. But you know, there's, there isn't a top four anymore. There's a top six. It, it's going to be really difficult. You know, there's clubs just on the periphery of that who'd love to try and break in if they have a good season like an Everton or a, a Southampton. I think you're right in terms of how decisive this summer is and, and you mentioned the manager night. and I've said this on, on other podcasts is that Jürgen Klopp is the last manager that gives Fenway Sports Group space to sort of deliver this model of investing younger, certain kind of talented players Yeah, because he's so good they tried to do it with a, with a new kind of manager in Rogers. They had Kenny Daglish. They've now got a, an absolutely world-class manager in Jurgen Klopp. If he can't deliver their model, there's a question of whether it's not actually the manager, but it's actually the model.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, the challenge is yeah. one of the real challenges in this is that no one's ever really ever explained the Fenway model. We're just guessing. And you know, what the, you, you mentioned FSG out stuff. This is one of the real challenges I have with. The people who are who so vehemently the idea that French sports group must be, you know, are, are so bad for Liverpool football club and must be kicked out. That if you believe that one of the real challenges you are going to face, and I know this is somebody who campaigned to get rid of a pair of owners, that there was lots of evidence they were bad. Yeah. There's no there's no strong evidence that they're bad. There's just a question of whether they're clever enough or trying to be too smart and stuff like that Yeah, I think in terms of in terms of signing players this summer I think you're absolutely right if I think we would be sending a bad signal if we get rid of if we sell Coutinho not just in terms of balancing the books but in terms of we're never going to make a progression or progression fast enough Yeah, you know
0: it's footballing ambition players, isn't it
1: yeah, to to, to, sign, to sign a keeper and a Van Dijk but then lose Coutinho, it would be like, because he's so good, it would be like taking two steps forward and two back. Yeah. I think you'd relatively be in the same place. Maybe even two forward and one back, but you wouldn't be progressing like you need to. I think if you were to sell Coutinho, it would probably say something to the other players who are left. I think if you were to sell Coutinho, if I was Keita or Van Dijk, I'd probably be saying to myself, well, why am I even going there? If you're getting into the best players, yeah, you know, what's the point? Yeah. Um, I do think it, it is. I know this is going to just sound like you're making excuses. I do think it's probably somewhat inevitable. that Coutinho goes to Barcelona. i thought fought for a long time that I don't think he's Neymar's replacement. I think he's Iniesta's replacement. Mm. Watching the way he plays football and the fact when Klopp moved him into midfield last season, I was genuinely sat there thinking this is the worst thing that could happen to him <laughs> yeah, in yeah. Barcelona because because Iniesta used to play up front like Coutinho did, but he can play in midfield and he, and, and he used to play next to Xavi and he was fantastic and everyone was like. Wow, look, these two as a midfield pairing with Busquets just behind them. Now, could you imagine Coutinho doing that for a, with, with a Suarez, Neymar and Messi in front of him? Yeah. You know, it'd, be, it'd be incredible to watch. It'd be heartbreaking to watch as well because we'd be seeing Coutinho and Suarez playing in the same team and it wouldn't be for us.
0: Yeah, I, th- um, I, think, I think in the way United fans eventually knew Ronaldo was going to end up a Real Madrid, I think most sensible Liverpool fans feel that way about Coutinho. We just don't want it to be this summer.
1: But but if ha- but if happens this summer, because I think if we were to have a really good season and maybe challenge the league, win it or win win you know go far in the Champions League, Tino might think to himself, well I could be the star here as opposed to being you know One. not the star of Barcelona. You might yeah. he might, he might that might come into his thinking. Uh, anything could happen, you know. Liverpool if they have a really good season, might sack better players and he suddenly thinks, no, better chance to be you know to win things here. Uh, you know all of those things could happen, but. I think it is key as well in signing players. You know, it, it, it looks clear anyway because you can never be sure. I'll never, ever be sure about telling this stuff. It looks like there is money to spend. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's a fault of trying. I think maybe there's a question of strategy, but there's money to spend. I think there's a, there's a danger though that we get desperate and we just sign someone just to appease people. And if you just go and sign someone, that could easily be another Mario Balotelli or a Andy Carroll, and that's not good. Um, but you know, again, you know, we're, we're, we're five weeks out from a transfer window closing. As we know, when we're trying, when when people are being trying to sign players, of us, it doesn't happen early on. It, you know, you we're not trying to sign players that no one wants. We're trying to sign really good players for very high transfer fees that the club wants to keep hold of. So they're not going to make it easy for us. They're going to want to try and change the mind, and we might be successful, we might not. But I do think the outcome of it could be definitive for, for Fenway Sports Group certainly, and how they, have, as you rightly say, viewed by supporters. Um, I think that you know it, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. You know, I've, I've gotten involved in some Twitter conversations with people about the the FSG out stuff. I think some people might wrongly see it as vindication of their stance if we don't sign players. Um, I think the football club. Would be wise to realise that there's a lot of anger out there. I don't think anger should direct what players you sign, but I think you know it comes back to that point about you know we said before about FSG trying to understand supporters. I think you know we, we should expect a lot of lot of anger if if we you know we spend a summer in which we think we haven't strengthened our team and you know depending on the team senior, senior situation and managed to weaken it, you know there'll be a lot of frustration from people and and they may well lash out on that so you know it, it, I do think it's a, a, def, a defining period for, for the owners of the club after so long you know of, are we are we going to kick on or are we going to stay at the same level and I've said before if you stay at the same level you know You end up going backwards because other teams just progress past you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, Jay, I really appreciate your time. I think um, it's been really insightful. Number one to to hear where things were at with the safe standing because that's obviously something that's very um, well a hot topic. But it was nice to hear where your your feelings were at with the with the club as well. Um, And as I said at the start of this. Um, without ever really having a huge amount of interaction with you, I'd kind of made made my mind up incorrectly um, about Spirit of Shankly and yourself, and I really enjoyed the chat with you. So I'm not just
1: saying the no, fact and, that... And, and that's fine. And, and 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 the same goes back. You know, I'm I, as people may well notice those who follow me on social media or made opinions of me. You know, I'm not short of an opinion or tenor. and I realise it can sometimes probably come off a certain way you know, 140 characters doesn't always do you justice. Yeah. But equally, you know, if there's topics of conversation you've got coming up on, on podcasts and, and discussions, you want to have where you think, you know, you're just interested in our view on stuff, you know, even if it's opposing views, stuff yeah. we've said or done, you know, I'm more than happy to come on and have a conversation. You know, I think you know, as somebody, who, you, you know, obviously we represent our members, but we're aware that our view gets taken and listened to us on behalf of Liverpool supporters at times. You know, I'm more than happy to have conversations with as many people as possible to ensure that you know I can hear all views and opinions because you know that only informs what we say and what we do, you know, for the benefit of of the club and supporters as a whole.
0: No, brilliant, and, and you know what we're we're never uh, um, we're, we're never short of a row on here anyway, so we we lo- we love a good bit of aggro on, on the day trippers. So uh, yeah, no, listen, it would be great if you could throughout the season we might, we will take you up on that. Okay, that there was Jay McKenna, uh, chairman of the Spirit of Shankly Supporters Union. Uh, big thanks to Jay for that. Really was an insightful chat and something I very much enjoyed. I hope you did too. Big thanks to you for listening. Um, this is Steve-O's Tuesday interview. If you do like what we do, go to www.acast.com forward slash LFC Same with Facebook, same with Twitter, always forward slash LFC Day Trippers. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next bye Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low.
1: Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.